Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus, and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Klaus, and you're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. Today, I have four amazing women who are guests. They have been guests on past episodes here at the Fully Restored Podcast, and we're going to be sharing some highlights from those episodes. All four of these guests give us very different perspective on healthy relationships in our families. Isn't that something we all need? And truth be told, some of us come from unhealthy dysfunctional families. And we need to have the tools, the skills, and how to interact and and bring change, healthy change into those relationships. So BJ Garrett, Blythe Daniel, Dr. Helen McIntosh, and Phyllis Mentelli, they were all guests here on the Fully Restored podcast in 2020. All of these women are filled with so much wisdom to help others on their journey. And today we're going to be highlighting just some of the tips, some of the stuff from those shows that they shared. And I think these are going to be really helpful for you on your journey. But before we jump into these interviews, I wanted to let you know about a course that I'm going to be releasing soon called Fully Restored from Abuse. I am so excited to be announcing this new program that I'm launching soon where you can learn the steps that I took to find freedom, healing, and restoration from past abuse and how I've helped others reclaim and transform their lives from trauma over my years of experience as a licensed professional counselor. Each week, we're going to have five teaching videos, additional resources, a workbook, as well as my book. And we're going to have monthly Zoom meetings and a private Facebook group and so much more. Together, we're going to go on this journey of healing and rediscovery of who you were created to be. You two are going to learn how to fight for your own life. We're going to break the power of abuse from your life and reclaim your present and your future. We're going to walk through the healing phases and discover the root issues that have been holding you down. Friends, I have gone through this series with my book for the last couple of years. I've done groups with this and I'm telling you it works. And this is giving me an opportunity to work with you, even if you don't live in the same town that I live in. So if you're interested in finding out more information about this program, which I'm going to be launching soon, go ahead and email me at Kristen at fully restored.love. Now, one more thought before we jump into our show. I want to encourage you to share this episode with your friends and family. And for the month of May, I'm doing highlight shows and I have a contest going on. I love contests and I love giveaways. For every episode you share on social media and tag me, you're going to be entered into a drawing for one $25 Amazon gift card and some $5 Starbucks gift cards. So on both Instagram and Facebook, I can be found at author Kristen Klaus. So be sure to tag me, share these posts about this episode, and friends, you're going to get entered in the drawing. 
Now, on to our show. As I mentioned, my guests are BJ Garrett, who we're going to hear from first. And then we go to a mother-daughter duo, which is Blythe Daniel and her mother, Dr. Helen McIntosh. And last, we're going to highlight Phyllis Mentelli. And all of these women share some valuable tools to help individuals who've experienced conflict or difficulties in their parent-child relationships. Now, here are the interview highlights. Now, in your book, Unwanted No More, you describe your encounter with your mom on her deathbed. So we are fast forwarding past. I mean, you told us here at the beginning about what happened growing up. In your book, you describe that encounter with your mom, which was so powerful. And girl, I was literally right there with you, tears in my Uh eyes thinking, oh my goodness. And you share how you came face to face with years of pure, unrestrained hurt, anger, unforgiveness. Could you share with us what that experience was like and and why the power of forgiveness is so important to you? Absolutely. And so I knew you were going to ask me this, and this is such a hard thing for me to describe because it was miraculous. Like at this point, Mm. Kristen, I was not even yet a believer. And so I had no true understanding of forgiveness in that season of my life. I walk in to see my mom before she died, really with the intention of just saying, you know what, go to hell. I don't love you. I hate you. I was so full of the venom of hatred in my heart for my mom. And so when I walk into that room and I saw her and cancer had eaten her body, literally every piece of her, she no longer physically resembled my mom. And all I can say is even before I knew Christ as my Lord and Savior, he cleansed my heart of all of that bitterness that I had towards my mom. And when I looked at my mom, I saw her for the broken, hurting person that she was. And God absolutely restored our relationship in that moment. And it was just, it was a miracle. And again, I I really can't give you like the steps of how that happened. He just broke my heart from my broken mom. And it was a gift that I didn't know for many years that I didn't even recognize the power of that gift he gave me that day until many years later when I am a believer and I no longer had that burden. Because if my mom would have died with all that anger and hatred that I had in my heart. And many women, many, many people don't get that gift of forgiveness like I was given. And so my heart breaks for them and their loved ones are gone and they're still holding on to that. I, I want to encourage them to trust God with their pain, even if they don't know what that looks like or, or what it feels like, because I can assure you I didn't, but God doesn't need our understanding for him to be powerful in our lives, if that makes any sense. Because I'm telling you in that moment, I did not understand forgiveness, but God gave it to me anyways, because he knew the weight of that unforgiveness and in the reason that it would have in my life if I didn't experience true forgiveness for my mom. And it also allowed me the freedom to recognize that my mom wasn't all evil, like Literally up to this point, I only saw the bad things that my mom did. But in truth, my mom was unhealthy. And so a lot of the things that she did, not justifying any of the ugly things that she did, please hear me in that. 
but she always had this unhealthy rationalization of why she allowed things to happen. And so God just opened my eyes to see and to be able to love her and forgive her fully before she passed away. And I'm so eternally grateful for that gift. And really that brings up that point of, because I can look back in my life before Jesus, BC days versus after C days of just experiencing times where I look back and I think, oh God, you were there to save me. There was a time uh, we were in a, um, a car, almost car accident, went up on the side of an embankment and it should have gone over and I would have been crushed. And somehow it righted itself and we went on our way. And another time out in the ocean, I should have drowned. And um, I heard a voice say, swim along the shore. And I wasn't even a believer. I knew, I look back now and it's like, I know without a shadow of a doubt that was Jesus because he knew, God knew the plan he had for me. God knew the plan he had for you, BJ. And God knows the plan that he has for each and every listener that His plan is good and his plan is to bless us, to use us and to minister to us and minister through us. And it's a good plan. It's a plan of blessing. And there's that scripture that talks about, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to bless you, to prosper you, not to harm you. And that scripture so often is quoted. Somebody graduates, they get a a card with that scripture. The truth is when those words were spoken as a prophetic word, Israel was in captivity to Babylon. And they, it was a horrible, horrendous time for them. They were broken, they were hurting. And here God comes in and gives them a promise. I have a plan for you. And I think of the woman listening right now who is struggling. And maybe your life, you're trying to get yourself on track and you just feel like your emotions are out of control. Maybe you have that unforgiveness. Maybe you've carried the burden of pain towards um, unforgiveness towards somebody in your family or the person that abused you. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage and struggling in relationships and trusting with people in general because of the abuse that has happened to you. And I just want to give you a word of hope that God has a plan for you. And that plan is to bless you and to pour into you. And it's to use you. And it's to give you a life that is filled with joy and peace and his presence. And the hard thing is, how do we get from being in captivity to what happened to us, to getting to a place where we're fully restored and have that redemption story. And we're able to to walk into the fullness of who God created us to be, not what our experience tells us who our value is. So I just love and appreciate your openness, BJ, of talking about that experience with your mom. And you're right, God gave you a gift. That was truly a gift right there. With your life experience, your background in women's ministry and where God has brought you today, what are two or three things that you can share with our listeners as they begin their journey of healing? Start with addressing the fact that that almost every single woman that I get to counsel with thinks that she's alone. She feels like she's the only woman sitting in her pew in church feeling these things, harboring these emotions, dealing with the pain and the consequences of the trauma that she's experienced and hopefully has come out of in her life. And so first off, you are not alone. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned earlier, one in four women 
have been sexually abused in their lifetime. So the next time you're in church, just begin counting. Well, let me tell you, those numbers are the same for women who have struggled with abortion in their past, one in four, depending on which statistic you read. Some say one in three for both of those. realistically one in four women are hurting and they're doing it with the same silent face mask that you're wearing every Sunday or whatever day you meet for church. So you're not alone. Next, I want to just encourage you to find a safe place, a safe person to begin sharing your secrets. Maybe it's your spouse. You know, for me, for many years, my own husband did not even know the trauma from my childhood. And so he was one of the first ones that God really led me to tell. And I was terrified to do that. But the healing that came just from voicing the trauma that I had experienced, that healing, that healing power is immediate. Now, it wasn't complete. I assure you that. But that was the first step, just telling somebody. And maybe it's not your spouse. Maybe you can't do that yet. Maybe it's a best friend. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a stranger. Maybe you contact me or Kristen through our websites and you just send an email anonymously. Like whatever you have to do to get that burden out. I encourage you to start with that and, and cry out to God. You know, like one of the things I say, my like, God has big shoulders. The Lord gave me a husband with super big, sexy shoulders. And so I'm like, you know, but kind of our joke is like, he's got big shoulders. He can take it. And God is God. Like he has the biggest shoulders. He can take it. He can take your anger. He can take your fear, your frustrations, get mad at him, yell at him. He's God. And then you allow him to begin to work in your life. And you will be amazed because God loves you so much. There is nothing you can do that would make him love you less. Nothing that's been done to you will make him love you less. He does not see you as the dirty little girl that you have stuck in your mind's eye of who you are. He sees you as the beautiful princess that he created. And he wants to use every piece of your ugly for his kingdom's purpose. So cry out to him. And then the last thing I would just share is that when triggers begin to happen, because we all have them, sometimes it's a smell, sometimes it's a sound, sometimes it's just walking down a Walmart or Target aisle and something just like hits you. When those triggers happen, remember who you are today, not who you were not where you've come from, not what was done to you, not what you've done to yourself, but who you are today in Jesus Christ. Sometimes you have to just, you know, I I remember a season of my life where I literally was begging God for that next breath. Like I could not function. I hurt so bad. And I had so much ugly in me, so much pain that I literally was like, God, you got to help me take the next breath and then the next breath and the next breath. And now here I am 10 years later, sharing my story publicly, offering the same hope to to some other woman who might just be in that moment where the idea of telling anyone just paralyzes you. All you have to do is cry out to God and he will give you that next breath, that next step 
and he is faithful. He loves you, my sweet friends, and he does not want you carrying this burden alone. He died on the cross to pay for all of our burdens, all of our, all sin, my sin and the sin that was committed against me. He died for that, and it is not my job to carry it around. He purchased every ounce of the ugly things done to me and that I have done to myself so that I could live in freedom. And he did the same thing for each of your listeners. How do you recognize unhealthy generational patterns in family relationships? What steps can a mother or daughter take to actively begin to break those patterns? Oh, those are those broken places that pop up very frequently. And it's usually a pattern that has been in the family that you're becoming aware of. And I tell you, one of the things that is so important in this whole subject is that we encourage people to take responsibility for only what's theirs. In other words, when you're looking at your family patterns, it's easy to say that you don't want it, but you do have to take some steps to make sure that you're not going to fall into the same pattern. And I love Isaiah 58, 12 that talks about how God longs for us to be restorers and to repair the breaches that have come into our lives and our families. So God does want us to be able to make repair. One of the visuals I love to share with clients is two cups bumping, and we're only responsible for our cup, really, even though we see the dysfunctional pattern maybe in our other family member, but we're only held responsible for what's in our cup, what comes out of our own heart. In other words, my mother used to say, you are so stupid. You can never do anything right. And I wanted so much for her to not hurt me anymore that I focused on her, whereas God would really have us focus on our part and not repeating that pattern. Some of the visible signs of repeating family patterns. One would be anger. Anger is a signal that you didn't get what you expected or that things are not like you want them to be. But then some some other areas that seep into our relationships and even separation between mothers and daughters can come from things that have been passed down from generations such as divorce, abuse, like mom was talking about, neglect, and, and things that like maybe some words that have been spoken over you, shame enters in, a dependency on substances. So there's different ways that we can recognize these patterns. We might start finding ourselves becoming angry, just like a mother has to us or or repeating words that they have shared to us. And we know that those are not true. Maybe some anxiety and fear, as well as some destructive behaviors that you might even be seeing in your own family. So we want to just encourage people to ask the Holy Spirit to show you those unhealed places. And really the steps would be to say, I know God's truth about me is this. And I know I don't have to live under this yoke of slavery to this issue or to this area of my life. And those would be some steps that mothers and daughters can take toward overcoming some of those generational patterns. I love the practical tools that you're giving people And it sounds like overall what you're saying is, first, look at your own broken places. Often 
in conflict, we are focusing on the other person. So we need to look at our broken places, going back to that Isaiah 58, 12, and asking God to heal that and to help us make the change and do the work to make the change in our own patterns, which then will affect our relationship with our mother or daughter, right? That's so true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I learned very quickly when my daughter went to college was that she didn't always want my advice, which is one of the things you guys had talked about. In fact, more often than not, she just wanted me to listen. And I can remember talking to her on the phone one time and I just was sensing some tension and I just prayed in that moment, God, what's going on here? And I just felt like God encouraged me to say, what hat would you like me to wear? And she kind of went, what? And I said, do you want me to be a listener? Do you want my advice? Am I a mom or am I a friend? What do you need from me right now? And she said, I need a listener. I don't want your advice. And by me realizing her need and not thinking about my need, but her need and accepting that she was becoming a very self-sufficient, independent, competent woman and no longer a child, I had to shift my interactions with her and my thinking with her. And I think that that's where a lot of conflict rises up is, as you guys have said, we give advice without being asked for advice. So how is giving advice and having expectations of each other a hindrance? Let's talk about that a little more. I really believe it's what the message implies. When you do that, you really are implying that you know more than they do. It's a kind of put down. Now, if we're invited in, it's a whole different story. But to be in that pattern of giving advice right off the cuff is very insulting. It's quite disrespectful. What do you think, Bly? You know, I think that the challenge with giving unwanted advice makes the person feel like they couldn't have done that on their own. I remember one time when my mom was helping me out when I had twin newborns, she asked me if it was okay to help me do something with them. And I remember I actually said no, because I, at the time, didn't want to feel like I couldn't do that on my own. Even though she had more experience, I still didn't want to feel like I couldn't have come up with that on my own. And so my resistance to the advice wasn't even so much about what she was giving. It was that I wanted to look like I could do it on my own. And so I think that sometimes that's what happens when we give advice is that it could just be not bad timing. It could be bad timing, just not the right time. And so that's why we we make it more like you said, Kristen, which was so beautiful the way that you asked what role do you see me playing? What do you need from me? And that's just so great to go straight to what is it that you would like for me to share with you or, or hear from you in this moment. So I encourage people to do just as you did, which is to <laughs> ask, how do you see me? And this is something I've learned from mom. How do you see me helping you in this moment? And I think that's really helpful for just really keeping those relationships going. Absolutely. Now I'm thinking of some of the listeners that are going, yeah, this is wonderful. But what about my relationship where we're not talking? We're in the middle of a conflict. How do you initiate restoration for that mother and daughter that have an extended period of a conflict or not talking? I think one of the best ways to initiate moving towards restoration with a mother or daughter that you haven't spoken with in a while is to just be able to say, I want to have a relationship with you. And I know that things aren't good between us right now. What do you think we need to do to make things better? 
this is something that I've seen my mom model and, and talk with women about because it really just addresses right off the bat what is between you, that your heart is to be closer to each other, to her. What do they think needs to happen for that to take place? And it puts the opportunity on the other person to say, well, I, I think that you need to do this more or do this less. And it gives a person, the other person, the honor and the opportunity to share from their viewpoint before we rush in and say, well, this is what I'm going to do to try to be closer to you. And here's what I think. So we're really honoring the other person by saying, you know, how do you see us being able to restore? Now, the other person might be very closed off and what you're doing in that instance is opening up your heart to them. And that's what we want to shine through is that you're saying, I, I want to take responsibility for my part of our relationship. And I realize that I've not done things perfectly and I'm coming to you. You may even want to say to the other person, I want to ask your forgiveness for what I've done in the relationship. And people, when they hear that, they're like, but it's all the other person's fault. It's not my fault. And what we often say is, you know, if, if a person who's asking that forgiveness of the other person has only aired maybe 5% and the other person has aired 95%, you're actually in a stronger position to go to the other person and to say, I want to ask your forgiveness uh, for my part in, in our relationship. So we want to be honest and humble. And I think that's really the heart of what we're saying is that not every time will the other person come to you and try to initiate restoring and trying to initiate their faults with you, but we can be the strong ones. We can be the initiators of restoration. And sometimes that's what's needed. And God has just forgiven us of so, so much. And so we want to be able to mirror that in our relationships with each other. Oh, that is so good because you're right. We're often looking at the other person saying, yeah, but what about them? And God is asking of us to take responsibility for our part. You shared with us that, you know, you had your son and, oh, my heart just grieves for you at the loss of your son and the effects that it's had on your life and on your soul. So was that your fully restored story when you had him, when you lost him, and then you transitioned to your friend staying at her house? Was that when you began to feel God's presence in your life? Yeah. So that was the beginning of my fully restored story. So it was crazy because I'm by myself and I'm grieving this loss of my son at the same time, starting my life over. But I really did rely on that voice. And like I said, it wasn't a straight shoot. So like I found Jesus, everything's great. I was still kind of partying a little bit and I was still trying to figure out my own life, but I got my own apartment and I started really journaling a lot and writing things down of like, what is it that I really wanted out of my life? And spending that time alone, I actually liked myself for the first time. I didn't, it was almost like I could breathe again. When I got out of that marriage, it was like, you know, I realized I don't need a man to fulfill me. When I get a man again, it's to come alongside me. And I think happened was in the beginning, I always wanted someone to cover me, to like hold me, be everything for me, be my Prince Charming. Well, I still wanted a Prince Charming, but I wanted him to come alongside me and really support me and respect me. And so I settled into really writing about a lot of that and seeing like, what is it that I want in a partner? That's when I met my second husband. And so I met him at work and Mike and I just formed this really beautiful relationship. And he 
is actually eight years younger than me. And so he was still in college and I was like, oh gosh, you don't want to be with me. I'm like a hot mess <laughs> already, you know, gone through this whole life. And I told him, you know, I really don't want a serious relationship. I need to work on me. And he said, that's okay. I'll wait for you. And so we had this beautiful four-year relationship where we got to know each other and just really go slow for the first time to really work out problems that came up and find out who we were as people and see each other in all different kinds of scenarios. And so we ended up getting married and we went through genetic counseling because I was really scared to have children again. And so we had our first daughter and she was beautiful and perfect. And then three and a half years later, got pregnant again. And I started thinking, oh my gosh, like I need to thank someone bigger than me. I just feel like my life is so beautiful. I'm so blessed. And I think I need to go back to church. But as a child, we were raised as Catholic, which I'm so grateful that I will say I'm grateful to my mom for giving us a belief in God, because I think that that really helped us. But I had a skewed vision of who God was. And so I asked a friend, I said, I think I want to go to a different kind of church. And so she led me to a non-denominational church and I was six months pregnant and I had my little three-year-old daughter with me and something just electric came over me when I went to this service and I knew that was it. That was the next step. And I came home and told my husband and he was like, that's great for you, honey but I'm not interested. <laughs> and I went, what? How could God bring me all this way and then leave behind? But it was actually my first step of faith where God was saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me with all your heart? Let me work on your husband. You do the work on you. And so I went to church with my children for three and a half years before my husband joined me. And I look back at that time and we both kind of laugh about it because we're like, man, talk about God just completely circling your family and making that better. But one of the things that happened through that time is when my first daughter was born about two months later, I had been out of touch with my mom. She had been homeless. She, she was here, there, everywhere. And I just kind of kept her at arm's length. And God was doing a work in that too, to say, you need to like come back to your mother. My mom broke a hip and the hospital called me and said, you know, your mom was so drunk all night, we couldn't get any kind of response out of her of who to call. And we finally asked her the next morning, and she said, me. And so they found my number in her address book. And so I began a journey with my mom, taking care of her damaged and all. God walked me through being able to set boundaries with her, but also just loving on a mom that was unlovable. And through that, there was some really beautiful times we had. And then my mom got dementia. And so I went on a 16-year journey while I was raising my girls. They got to see me being steadfast and really honoring a parent, even in spite of how she was. And, and my mom passed away in 2007. And I felt like that was the fully restored thing is that when she passed, my siblings were still at odds with her and they struggled when she passed. And I felt like such peace because I knew I had done everything that I was supposed to do within the boundaries of my family to protect my family too, but to also just love on a mom 
that when I really looked at her as a parent, now I looked at this lonely, scared, unstable person. And I thought, man, what was your childhood like? And I realized when I started asking questions of what she would tell me, there was a lot of abuse in her family. And she had also been unmothered at nine years old. And so I found some writings when she had to go in a nursing home, we cleaned out her apartment. My mom actually wanted to write a book. And so I found some little scribblings and things and it helped me understand who she was as a person. And so I took her off the pedestal as a parent that's supposed to be perfect. And I put her on the level of just a human being that has these issues. And it didn't excuse her from the things she had done, but it helped me forgive and understand who she is. Wow. There's so much that you just unpacked right there. (laughs) And I'm thinking about that in your first relationship and the relationships pre-Jesus days, that you were looking for somebody to fill that hole and to give you value and self-worth. And we know that only comes from God. And then as you were talking about, you know, when you went to church and then you came home and, you know, had that encounter, went to church that first time and your husband's like, that's great, but I'm not interested in that. (laughs) Made Um, me so mad. (laughs) But what I was thinking was, isn't that how God works sometimes? Because your faith needed to be yours and yours only. It needed to be your walk and your walk only. And often when we are raised in unhealthy, dysfunctional families, we're continually going back to other people trying to get our value, our self-worth, and how different your relationship with God would have been if your husband came right away. But that gave you three years. Yeah. Yeah. That gave you three years just to develop your own relationship. And then that full circle of healing that God brought to you through recognizing your mom and looking at her through the lens of not the daughter. Mm -hmm. Really, I think what God was doing was he was beginning to show you what he sees in her and the brokenness and the hurt. And you're right. It doesn't excuse what she did to you or what she allowed in your life, but it helps you to process that. And I'm thinking about the listeners who have their stories maybe different or similar, but they have that tension with a mother or a father, one of their parents of that was unhealthy. Why did you allow that into my life? And just to realize that God can still heal your heart, no matter what you experience, God can bring healing to your soul, that those soul wounds can be healed. And he taught you so much through that. And you know, what a gift to actually be able to read some of her writing, because that's not often that we find things like that. And just to be able to process through who she is, who she was, what she was going through. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. And I keep it, I cherish those little, they're just on little tiny pieces of paper. Uh I keep them in a file and I look at them sometimes. And I just think like how lonely she was and how, you know, if you think back, you know, I'm pretty old, but, you know, you think back in my mom's time, it was the 1930s, yeah, 1930s around there, when she was a child. And and then growing up in the 50s and 60s, people didn't talk about their emotions. You definitely had to hide and pretend that your family was okay, because if you didn't, then you were shunned. And so 
I think about the pressure she must have been feeling and how lonely she was. My dad was a long distance truck driver. And, you know, I think about, gosh, you know, she probably was just screaming for help. And that's why she just started drinking because it calmed her moods, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So with your life experience and where God has brought you today, what are two or three things that you can share with our listeners as they begin their journey of healing? Yeah. So I think, you know, I talked about it before, like really trying to sit in the quietness and really try to hear God's voice. I always say it's it's just a gut feeling. And also, you know, when you you feel that tap on your shoulder kind of thing, when you know you're going into a situation, it's either like, uh, I'm not, it's just not feeling right. That's really like, I always tell people that's God tapping you on the shoulder, telling you yes or no. And so you instinctively have that in you. His, his spirit is in you. His voice is in you. I think a lot of times people don't get quiet enough to really let God guide them. And so I would encourage you to sit quietly and really before you answer a question, if somebody needs you to do something or there's a direction where you're feeling conflicted, that's really time to sit back and think, not really answer somebody quickly. It's like, let me think about this and then sit quietly and just really let God guide you. And then also, if you do have like a mom or even a dad that is really putting your life in danger and now you're an adult and you're still just allowing them to run chaos. I tell people you have to set healthy boundaries. And so a lot of times what I would do is I would meet with my mom somewhere else quietly. I didn't let her come to my home after a while because the times when I did let her in, she wrecked chaos all around and she's toxic. And so even though I had a respect for her, my kids never grew up hearing the negative words that my mom would automatically throw out. And so when I used to bring my children over there, they, after a while, when they start getting older, they said, you know, grandma's kind of mean. Do we have to go visit? And I said, you absolutely don't. And so I don't believe in the, the theory of blood's thicker than water. I think we need to get rid of that because I think if that was a friendship or, you know, something like that, where someone was toxic, you would like keep them away. But because they're relatives, a lot of people just let those toxic people into their environment. So the only way you can create a better, healthy family is to protect your inner family and keep the toxicity out. And so healthy boundaries are really helpful. So it doesn't mean that you're hating on the other person. It just means you have to meet them somewhere else, or you have to set a boundary to say like, you can't come in here and talk that way, or you can't call me and make those kind of comments. And you kind of call them on it, you know, and just sort of set that boundary in place. And then also just being kind to yourself, like really give yourself, if you have a family, like give your family a lot of love, be gentle with yourself. If you're having an, an anxious day or something, allow yourself that time. Don't try to just like cover it up or get through it. Like, really sit in those feelings. I think a lot of times people aren't looking back to see where that hurt is coming from. And a lot of work I do with the coaching with clients that do have the mother-daughter relationship, as I tell them, we didn't get to be children. So you need to tend to that little girl and ask that little girl, what does she need? Because you need to let her know that you're there for her and it's okay. And so if you need to cry, you need to cry. If you need some kind of comfort or just a break on something, it's okay to do that. Don't try to muster through it and buck up and be strong. It's like you need to tend to that little girl. 
Thank you, BJ Garrett, Blythe Daniel, Dr. Helen McIntosh, and Phyllis Mentelli for joining us today. Our show notes and all the links shared with us can be found at my website, fullyrestored.love. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fully Restored Podcast and that you're walking away with some valuable tools, words of wisdom as you walk through issues, conflict, disagreements, or trauma in your family relationships. These women all shared some powerful words of wisdom, and they're a mighty group of women who have come through so much and have professional and life experience to share with you about bringing resolution and developing healthy families and relationships. And remember, friend, nothing or no one is beyond restoration with our Jesus.